You're listening to Mental Radio, where we talk about mental health from a holistic perspective. I'm your host, Jesse Zuckman, and we will be joined soon by Dr. Broderick Sawyer for a little conversation about loneliness and how we're all doing in the time of COVID as people with disabilities, as people with mental health struggles, as people, as people. And we talk about how, you know, learning how to cope with loneliness is a really important piece of the recovery journey for so many folks. Um, But before we get to our conversation tonight, please remember that nothing on the podcast is intended to be medical advice or medical care in any way. If you have questions about your mental health, your care plan, about your health, you have to talk to your healthcare practitioner. If you like what you hear during the conversation, please consider sharing our work. iTunes and Spotify, they do a really bad job at promoting the podcast. So the only way that more people can find out about the work we're doing is if you share it. So that's the biggest thing that you can do. Um, If you've shared it, or maybe you don't want to share it, but you still want to help out, you can check us out over at mentalhealthmedia.org where you can listen to all the back episodes, get more information about the project, uh, learn about me, learn about Broderick, so on and so forth. So with all the homework out of the way, I bring you Dr. Broderick Sawyer. Dr. Broderick, when I was thinking about this topic of loneliness, the first thing I kind of started thinking about was that there's a lot of different kinds of loneliness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all these different things. <laughs> what, what do you think about yeah. when you think about loneliness? Yeah. What comes to your mind? It's difficult to define. Yeah, you know, that was my my initial hesitation was what how do you define really and put words to to a particular experience which is experienced in such different ways for many people. Um and the initial thought that I have is really uh isolation versus loneliness versus solitude. Mhm. You know? And what if I decide in my loneliness that I'm going to find myself in one way or another or just do things that make me feel good, Um, whether that's cooking a meal and having every little, you know, ingredient that I really like in that meal and really enjoying it and would also make me, um, if someone else was present with me, then then I would have to sacrifice that. Mm -hmm. So how do I sort of spin it in a way? And, And I think that mindset when you're alone uh, changes a lot. You know, it really, really depends. Um, we think about uh, relativity, and I think that creates dissatisfaction. So your your cognitive framing of something. Um, but, so, but sometimes that's not always easy to do. So if I sit here right now and I'm like, oh, this is pretty nice. Like my apartment's pretty, temperature's good. I have some tea here I'm sipping on. And then all of a sudden, if I said, but I don't have ice cream, <laughs> now now all of a sudden, by comparison, by right. me considering something that I don't have in the present moment, uh, makes the present moment not as enjoyable. So um, being engaging in mindfulness and presence while we are lonely uh, can help us reduce uh, that impact. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm speaking really from the perspective, not of, you know, me um, speaking as, as the uh, listener's uh, clinician or therapist, you know, um, but speaking from the perspective of my own uh, aloneness, I would call it, or solitude. Uh, so I, 
I grew up um, in, in my household, it was just a very busy household, and I would spend a lot of time alone. And that was very comfortable for me, but I would always try to, uh, you know, just make it interesting. And I could always find things to do. So I think loneliness for me, that context is maybe different than for others. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not partnered, uh, haven't been for a few years now. So spending time alone with my thoughts is actually very comfortable. And I'm a meditator. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think my context, I just kind of, yeah, tur- turned it into something um, useful to me, which was finding myself in that space, you know, rather than just try to numb out those feelings, really um, engage those feelings and find out where they're coming from. Uh, And then as I did that more and more and more, then I started to feel more connected to myself. So then it became like I wasn't really alone, if that makes any sense at all. Um, It just kind of transformed. And then I have this inner world which I can explore and it's kind of endless. Um, and uh, yeah, but I think that's really, really hard for people who maybe come from really big families or are used to having a lot of people around them or people who aren't comfortable sitting with their thoughts. I think it's all in, in context. For um, sure. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm wondering for you too, though, man. What I mean, I grew up. We have a lot of similarities in that. Like my family, also busy. You know, there was some substance use going on in my household. Uh, mm-hmm. Mom, you know, dad was usually working long days. Mom was, you know, was not around for whatever reason, or you know, kind of close by, but not in the scene. And I have always kind of had that solitary comfort where I mm-hmm. went to you know just call myself be with my mm. you know my toys or you know older mm-hmm. as with my computers and doing photoshop and working on mm. creative projects and doing that solitarily but also having that be uh some kind of community engagement but that mm. said going back to the first thing perception is everything because mm-hmm. when I got sick first with, um, you know, disabled from bipolar disorder and then just dealing with the side effects of meds and then, mm-hmm. you know, for the first year or so, people would call you back and everything. After the first year, people stop calling you back. And then for me, mm-hmm. I got to this place where physically I couldn't move around like I wanted to. So because yeah. I was physically sick and then you mm-hmm. see social media and then you see everybody mm-hmm. else living their lives and mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of people out there on Twitter, especially, you know, that follow me. They, they're like dealing with chronic fatigue syndrome, MECFS, or mm-hmm. they're dealing with benzodiazepine withdrawal and dealing with that kind of disability. And mm-hmm. even though I was so comforted by, you know, being alone, that mm-hmm. all went out the window when it wasn't there when I wanted it. Ah, and, it was, yeah, yeah. and it was very much that perception Mm. Right. It was very much like, okay, I'm alone. Mm. I am, um, uh, you know, there's, there's no way I can get socialization, Mm. even if I want it to. And, you know, Mm. even as a lot of people with chronic illnesses or mental health issues can attest to Mm. people stop calling you back after you've been sick for a little while. Mm. So, you know, even Mm. though I was set up, just knowing that I, you know, it, you know, I couldn't, even if I wanted it, 
it wasn't there was a big distinction for me and a real and a real pain and i see that yeah. online and some some people who live mm. like that who are going through covid are going like oh now everybody is like experiencing what we feel mm-hmm. that was kind of the first reaction but now that it's been so long i think like mm. everyone is just yeah in this tortured state <laughs> yeah dude it's it's like because it's all like yeah it's all coming back to like that that perception right and i mean i have um you know mornings and this is most mornings so having um the background in, in trauma and having struggled with uh with complex trauma um anxiety and depression are are pretty um prevalent for me even though i uh, very, very functional, can do things, you know, mindfulness is really my armor mm. for a lot of that stuff. Um, but almost each morning there's a down mood. Really? Okay. And it, yeah. And it's been that way for me for uh, a long time. And when I um, began struggling less with substance use, um, that would, that would, wouldn't be as bad, you know? But uh, even on the quote unquote, like, like good as it gets days, there are those thoughts, you know, of like, oh, you know, um, you know, you're a, you're alone, you know, when are, you know, when are you going to settle down with a, with a partner or, um, you know, find more community or things like that. Cause my, my trauma has a lot to do with, uh, shutting down and not opening, Mm-hmm. to other people um because that opening has been really harmful just uh upbringing upbringing wise um and so yeah so it's like rocking a hard place for me because it's like well if you open up you're you know you start getting triggered but if you don't you know then here you are alone um so then when meditation came along for me and i was able to build that practice to the point where it was so strong um that I can feel those feelings, feel them fully, and sort of decenter myself from the thoughts that were crossing my mind. Um, that allowed me to, you know, still kind of work on work on myself without needing to open up to people so much because um, I felt definitely like a rock in a hard place. You know, damned if I do or if I don't. Um, so me, for me, it became really about decentering from those trauma thoughts and depressed thoughts and you know substance seeking thoughts and once I could do that um, it made it much much easier so instead of um, wow you know I'm alone or this or, or that just this narrative it just there was a feeling and I was present with that feeling and then there was another feeling and another and another and it just so happened to be that feelings of sadness might dominate a moment. Um, but as long as I didn't focus too much on the narrative coming along with that feeling, then the next moment it was something else. And that really empowered me to uh, focus on what I'm really good at, which is helping people, mm-hmm. you know, and um whether at that's uh, you know speaking on my own experiences or uh, working with the uh, clients that I that I work with, um, you know, as well as just friends and different people that I'll mentor, 
or different things like that. And, and that fulfillment out of that would then dominate, then now dominates my life. And, you know, the question of um, loneliness comes up a little bit less and less because I know that, hey, you know, Broderick, if you live uh, in accordance with your values and you do things that you feel passionate about and you're really just yourself um, and you build a life that reflects all the things that you really care about, then, hey, guess what? You know, someone is going to, uh, you know, you're going to meet people within that space, you know, and um, just like on these calls, man, like since we started, you know, talking and um, and streaming, you know, we're, we're a couple of like-minded fellows and that helps us, you know, feel feel connected and all we are doing is just what we do and we happen to uh, connect. Um, so that's, you know, one thing I think um, people are finding in COVID is that, you know, what do I care about? And learning to ask those questions and engage with those things, whether that's reading books or, you know, talking on, you know, engaging on Twitter or things like that. There are people out there that, um, that, will connect to you. But first you have to sort of connect with yourself and see what you're about and um, and be real and authentic with what you care about and what you like and what you don't like. And loneliness sometimes highlights the fact that we're alone with our thoughts and reality is, is settling in. You know, mm-hmm. do I, you know, do I want to have this job? Do I want to be in relation to these people who I feel alone when I'm around them, mm-hmm. you know, is this space, the space I was avoiding because I would then have to feel the pain of my reality. But that pain is also, uh, you know, it's a sign that, okay, maybe I'm not in alignment. Sure. And I think that's very hard when we can't get out of those thoughts that tend to internalize things, you know, just speaking to my, you know, depressive thoughts in those mornings, just, um, mm-hmm. Because I can still watch the narrative. I can still watch it, mm-hmm. you know. And, I'm, you know, now it's like, oh, thank goodness I don't believe those things. But if someone does believe those things, that's a, that's really, really difficult. Um, and obviously I'm biased as a therapist. But for people listening, like, it's it's okay to get help even if you're not sure what you want help with. Just connecting and, mm-hmm. you know, therapists are, you know, they can be really good at helping you to identify what's wrong, you know, or just sit with you in it, mm-hmm. you know, cause we, we all need that. And I've been to therapy for my, myself, you know, um, it's very helpful even if they don't know how to help you. But, um, you yeah, know, well, sometimes it's not about a doing thing. It's just yeah. about a being thing, mm. you know, and having people to be with, well, then you're one step, you know, you're one step, uh, Closer mm-hmm. to connection, with just or you know, or you are connected. At just to have people, um, to be with, mm. and you know, for me, yes, finding what you want to do and connecting with community and finding your purpose and all this stuff—that is absolutely, you know, that's super important. Even if it's not super focused, right? It could just be something mm-hmm. like I like to help cats, so I'll go to the yeah. cat show. But yeah. the first thing, like acknowledging, you know, the mm-hmm. other thing you said was like. Yeah, you feel lonely. I think a lot as Americans, we are told so much that like you should be able to do it on your own and you don't need <laughs> anybody. And then we're lonely and then we gaslight ourselves for being lonely. Mm. It's like, I shouldn't, I feel lonely. I shouldn't be lonely. 
and then you feel bad for feeling lonely, mm-hmm. and that does not put you in a very empowering place. Um, mm-hmm. I forget I forget what the statistic is. I've got uh, Jillian Richardson's book. She quotes a statistic. It's something like seventy five percent of Americans feel lonely mm-hmm. and don't want don't have the close relationships that they want. Yeah. Um, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, she. You know, I can't. I've plugged this book a bunch. We've done a couple of episodes with Jillian. She's written a book on how to find and foster community, and it's a workbook that a lot of us need because um, nobody tells you how to do it. Um, I was mm-hmm. lucky enough as a teenager to find punk rock and like get into zines and media making, and there was just always people around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would do you know, work on a zine and then I would do graphics for a zine and then someone else would write it and someone else would publish it and we'd have these communities and then we'd Hmm. go to a show and we'd hang out. And that like sustained me until the beginning of my career. But then, you know, I got sick and then I had to kind of like recreate my life and find community Hmm. again. This book, Mm -hmm. and I I didn't know what to do, totally helped me um, get started. And a lot of it was, you know, figuring out what do I want to do? What kind of people do I want to be around? And then how do I engage with that community in a way that that works for me and doesn't stress me out? Mm, yeah, that can be that can be tricky, right? When we don't know ourselves because we don't know what, you know, what really, when I say know ourselves, being, I'm talking about being able to like feel our feelings. When mm-hmm. we can't feel our feelings, we don't know what stresses us out right. or where is this coming from? Is this, um, yeah, and it's, yeah, man, it's interesting, man. Kind of like your progression of things, you know. I think it, it takes because I, I identify with something more similar. I think my mine was a bit more more gradual, mm-hmm. but as I started to look around me, I realized a lot of the relationships um, I was in um, were from this place of nobody leave me, please. Mm-hmm. Sure, you know. And oh, when yeah. you're operating from that place of fear, you know, then. Uh, you're not being you. You're trying to be what you think everyone else wants you to be, but you're still uncomfortable and you're still lonely because you're cut off from who you are. So that process of, for me, it was meditation, getting into contact with uh, really my feelings. Um, mm-hmm. I think I posted earlier today on Twitter, um, being a black male, um, the um, that gentleness and ability to feel your feelings is just socialized out of you. Mm. So then when you are lonely and you are acting unconsciously from this place of lack or, or fear, um, you're not even aware of it. And, and I just kind of stumbled into meditation in that way. I'm um, just thinking about all the people who, you know, don't have access to those natural uh, feelings, you know, maybe towards a, a friend, who you, someone you call a friend who doesn't make you feel so good and you don't know why you're unhappy. Um, and you can't even feel into that. And I think for people listening, it's just, um, it's learning to be reflective on these things, whether or not you can fully feel everything or if it's not even safe to feel everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but to at the very least reflect, you know, get out the, the yellow legal pad and make a pro con list or write down things you like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, yeah, I think for me, I'm more intuitive with that stuff, but I know that just writing things down can can do a lot, just asking those questions. Um, 
but also just meeting yourself where you're really at. I was at a time where I couldn't admit that I was feeling lonely and our minds just bury things so deep and bury this, these wounds and these longings so deep um, because our society reinforces it to your point. You know, it's the individualism is the failure of the private life. We're yep. always in a role. Our identities center around um, the economic structure of a country. That shouldn't be the case. We're humans, not economics. And um, I think that's really, really tricky as far as how unconscious it gets and how much pressure there is to produce um, and how much it, it's just centered. Uh, our productivity in our feelings about ourselves is centered in productivity related to uh, what power structures and governments uh, value, which is just money-making things. But everyone is is really worthy just for just for being having been born, and uh, I think self-compassion in this way is is well. I'll speak speak for myself. It has been enormous for me as I recognize these feelings of loneliness and as I approach myself with um, just this tenderness, just imagining that someone safe and kind who you know, who I know in my life is, you know, what would they say to me to this feeling that I'm having? Um, what would they tell me to do? And then that starts to, for me, it started to develop this inner narrative that was very, very kind and kind of um, rascally, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So even when I noticed something was unconscious, you know, if I would say, oh, I might hang out with so-and-so tonight, I'm like, nah, no, I don't. I would notice that and then kind of be like, oh, this this fucking guy. He's, he's got it all figured out, huh? He doesn't need anybody, you know? And that playfulness for me and developing uh, a a real, authentic, um, playful, uh, self-compassionate inner narrative and dialogue was everything to me. And I think the reason why I was able to develop that was because I was alone so often um, as, a, as a kid. And now... Um, really alone, um, especially due to COVID, but also just due to um, due to to past trauma and keeping myself safe. I've been able, I, so I'm using a you know a quote unquote negative situation uh, to deepen my connection of myself and use that space to heal. Like when we're in cocoons, when the caterpillar is in the cocoon, it's alone, it's isolated, and literally walled off. Mm from everyone else, but that's where the changes can be made. But what if the caterpillar didn't do anything? It just sort of sat there. You know what I mean? If it didn't use that time. Um, there are certain situations where, of course, we, we need to connect, where we need that. But if, uh, if we have the ability to sit with ourselves and connect on a way that's comfortable, I'd really encourage people uh, to do that. And that'll look you know different differently. But once you can see where you end and other people begin, you can actually start to set boundaries, mm-hmm. healthy boundaries with people, and you can start to appreciate yourself and understand that, hey, just because someone else has an opinion, I don't have to agree with them, you know, um, or they'll reject me, you know, because I can see my own truth and I can see that, hey, they have their own truth as well. Um 
And that healthy self-other experience, I think, came from me deepening that connection with myself, seeing where I am. Um, then allowed me just to stay in my truth more and more and more. And then that would attract people who appreciated uh, and celebrated my truth. But if I can't access it, then I can't show anybody. If mm -hmm. I can't show anybody, I can't connect with people who appreciate that or ward off people who don't appreciate that. Mm -hmm. There have been plenty of situations where I'm just like being myself and then people are like, oh, I clearly do not like this fucking guy, Broderick. I do not like it. Mm -hmm. um, and in the past, it was kind of like, oh, please like me. I'll do anything for mm -hmm. you to like me. Um, but knowing that that's impossible for me to be anyone else but what I am, mm -hmm. having found what I am, you know, and still finding, um, from that place, we can develop true relationships even if it's a two-second relationship where we mutually reject each other that at least it was authentic you know it's at my least, favorite part about new york yeah. is a lot of those a lot of those <laughs> get out of here is that the catchphrase yeah forget about it forget uh, about yeah, it yeah that's on the yeah. it, the the marty markowitz uh and welcome to brooklyn forget it or you're leaving brooklyn forget <laughs> about it is the that sign yeah i i feel you know for me also it was just so important to like you said figure out where i end and somebody else begins i always wanted to be the soldier in my professional relationships in my personal relationships i always wanted to be there for other people but without really an understanding of or really an awareness of how much they were being there for me and that's like mm -hmm. really when you know th that you know and that unawareness when my life fell apart and i was like oh i'm alone and nobody's mm -hmm. around i was like oh mm -hmm. i was doing all it was not reciprocal and you know everybody mm -hmm. will say who's been through the chronic illness baptism of fire you come out a different person you know if mm -hmm. you recover or, or any like big you know that post-traumatic growth thing mm -hmm. where i can look around and now I, i'm just more mindful of i still want to be there for people in like an, an extraordinary way but mm -hmm. now i'm more mindful of like it doesn't mean like if i don't do that all the time it mm -hmm. doesn't mean that people you know don't you know i, I don't have mm -hmm. to be that all the time and I shouldn't, you know, if, if I can't, and I and nobody can mm -hmm. be, you know, great for everybody all the time because we all have our own shit. That doesn't mean that they should treat you differently or treat me differently. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people need to show up how, you know, regardless of like your output. Yeah. And that, I internalize that so much, especially mm. around my work relationships. And I was like, well, if I just work harder and I produce everything for everybody and I'm the star of this group, then mm -hmm. I will have, uh, you know, I will have earned their uh, loyalty. Yeah, forever. Forever. And, but that, that was never on the plate for a lot of people. Like they didn't have that mm. to give ever. You know, they had their own mm -hmm. shit. And that was just like, or in my family, like, oh, I'd be like, I did all of these things for you. And they are completely unable to access mm. being mm. there for people, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that, so then you're in mm. these situations where it's like, you're constant. Mm. It's like almost like an addiction where you're like, 
I need more, I need more, I need more, but they don't, it's not there, it's not there. It's like, you can't get that high. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe mm-hmm. you had a great time with somebody one day and then you're like, okay, but I'm working really hard. Why can't I get the loyalty? And it's like, it wasn't yeah, there to, dude. until you can take that off. You can't see where, how people really are. Uh-uh, because you can't see how you really are. Yeah. You know, and that's, um, it's very, very tricky. And I think we often look to others and then we think, wow, this person is great. And then, um, and not necessarily in a romantic sense, I mean, but, um, you know, it's, wow, I'm in love mm-hmm. with this person or with this community. And wow, I get so much fulfillment, you know, being seen by these people or this person. And that feeling of being seen, uh, I think that we can see ourselves in that same way, um, but we never take the time to look and validate our own experience. And we think we need others to validate us when really um, we can validate our own experience by looking at it uh, for a time. We're so used to needing other people to validate our experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And in that way, I think we lose that capacity to, to validate. It's not even a question you know, that we can ask, wait, can I just validate my own feeling right now? Do I need to, you know, have a partner here or have a friend here to say, yes, you're crying about X, Y, Z is valid. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you're crying. So it is valid. That's it. Like, that's the end of the analysis. Um, but that uh, that hierarchical structure um just in society, the government needing to, just for example, like validate, uh, you know, black lives mm-hmm. for anything to actually happen. Right. You know, and that, um, that's just one example. Or, uh, you know, just, um, it's right, what's fresh on my mind lately is just uh, the justice system not taking sexual harassment claims seriously. And then what do women do? Then they they doubt their experience. Right. You know, so there's just this chronic invalidation, but we have to ask, like, who's doing the invalidating? Is that person um, you or have your experiences? No, only you have your own experiences. Uh, and I kind of needed to learn that in my own therapeutic situation. And I was sort of bargaining with my therapist and saying like, is this right? Is this right that I feel this way? And his response was was always very much like, you feel what you feel. And that really just taught me to be with whatever I was being with. And it was just because someone told me I was allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. And while feeling those things and giving myself what I needed in those moments, if that meant like, uh, I remember the first day he told me, Broderick, if you're sad, just be sad. Mm. That's it. And I face down on this enormous couch that I'm regretting that I, I got rid of. Um, face down, and I was just being sad. Like, almost I felt like catatonic <laughs> for like, dude, two hours. And then the next day I was sad. And the next day, and then I started to just start to feel more in integrated with myself, more in tune with with what and who I am, I started to feel myself by just allowing the experience to unfold without 
panicking about it without pushing it away, without, you know, asking, invalidating, you know, um, people to, to validate me, mm-hmm. you know? And I was just, uh, I was just with that. And once I knew that I could feel what I was feeling and say, oh, this is real and I don't need anyone to validate me, um, just so much freedom then came from that because then it wasn't just about sadness. It was also about anxiety about something or excitement about about certain uh, projects or, or career ventures. And and now if someone, if I'm telling someone something and I'm excited about it and they try to, uh, you know, invalidate me in one way or another, um, now there's, there's no like, hmm, well, well, oh, maybe they're right or, you know, there's none of that. It's the way it's like, well... <laughs> Like that's literally your opinion. You're <laughs> yeah. not me. Right. And what I did or what I'm doing or how I'm behaving or how I'm feeling, um, you don't feel that way. So how could you possibly validate that? And I think that's what my therapist, and I think what any good therapist knows is that uh, you're not there to describe the experience you're there to listen to the experience and let people know that they are real mm-hmm. that you are real and that feeling of reality is um get a little choked up thinking about it it's 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 beautiful it's it's ultimate uh control over one's consciousness autonomy it's freedom yeah yeah this is real mm-hmm. and it's real because i feel it and I say it so, and let me sit with that and get curious about it and deepen my connection of it and see if there, what other trap doors are there here? You know, it mm-hmm. might be, oh, I'm pissed. And then it's, oh, I'm sad. Like, oh, I'm sad because I, you know, might love this person that that is hurting me. Um, or I might be lying to myself about how I, I love this person because I don't want to face the reality of letting them go. Mm-hmm. And oh, I might be, and then it's just so endless. And I think it's hard to be vulnerable Mm-hmm. you know, with other people and work this stuff out with other people. But the beauty in this is that you can use your, you know, use solitude to work it out, you know, for for yourself and really deepen your connection with yourself through that being in, in the cocoon, so to speak. And you can work it out with yourself and become your own friend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I think like there's like there's something about that spark. I mean, not that not that this is the only thing that we agree on, but like that being in the background, I think is what um, really uh, put some electricity in the background of our conversations. Because when I grew up, I was mm. so I grew up in the punk rock scene, and it was all about DIY, right? It was the time of MTV, mm. and you know, mm-hmm. kids couldn't didn't have a lot of power to do whatever and we just created our own culture we had our own shows we made our own t-shirts we made our own magazines websites and whatever and that was Mm -hmm. what i went through in my teenage years and then i went to college Mm -hmm. and i had access to you know the cornell radical library and i started just Mm -hmm. renting tapes of the panthers and angela and malcolm Mm -hmm. and i was like this is that's the freedom cry like this is the same tone this is about autonomy this is about not looking for someone else to in to to validate you be it the government or any or you know your dad right it's like this is my truth we got people around us who see the same thing, and this is our community, and we're going to live our lives according to our truths, and we don't have to bend or or mm-hmm. or or pretend. 
anymore. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, Mm. you know, not to go, Mm. uh, you know, to go full circle back to Jillian's book here. Hi, Jillian. Um, You know, this is, uh, you know, and not to say like Jillian's telling Mm. you to join the Black Panthers here because... Uh, that's not, but but it is about ra- that that community building to find spaces where you don't have to pretend, where you yeah. don't have to, as you would say, code switch, as mm-hmm. you don't have to put on a show, as you don't have to put, as you, you can just be yourself, and not mm-hmm. that you want to be a jerk about it, and not that you mm-hmm. you know want to show up in your underwear, mm-hmm. but just <laughs> there's a certain healing that takes place and a certain thing where yeah. you you're around other people. Yeah. You just have that same context, so you don't have to be validated by yeah. someone who can't see you. Dude, yes. Yes. And this is interesting. I'm like thinking to myself, like, okay, so people listening, you know, they have specific questions and different things like that. But I think before answering specific questions, it's important to consider philosophy i think that's what we've been kind of talking about mm-hmm. you know just the philosophy of aloneness and then once we consider what philosophy we've been operating under you know which is i need to be accepted by everyone right or how do i get rid of this feeling and push it away you know without changing my behavior or numb it or band-aid it um we need to consider what we're really thinking about, what it really means to feel alone. Because you can, if you feel a feeling of loneliness and then you just, I don't know, uh, use meditation to, you know, knock yourself out and, and go to sleep, then you're, that feeling's going to come back, mm-hmm. you know. Or if you go, uh, let me think of, you know, something I, I get really agitated about. It's, it's very difficult. Um if I go hang out with a group of frat bros to, <laughs> it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit cliche. I thought it's cliche. I'm, I'm better than that, you know? Um, but if I go hang out with them just to not be alone, right. Um, then I'm going to feel alone or feel invalidated even worse. Right, right. Um, so I think it really is that, that philosophy of who, who is this person apart from everyone else? And then at that point, I can see that I am a red circle, you know, so then, oh, there's some circly people over here or mm-hmm. are more of a square. Oh, there's yeah. some square people over here. And we never consider our differences because we're too busy trying to fit in uh, with everyone yeah. to remove this feeling. Yeah. You know, um, it's very brave to take that inner journey and consider these things, though, when we are mm. feeling uh alone because we don't want to look you know not oh, everyone yeah. is, is ready to look oh i acknowledge mm-hmm. anybody that's made it we are almost 40 minutes into this conversation i give you a lot of credit because you're obviously somebody with some introspection and wants to make a difference or is at least very curious which is you know mm-hmm. a very special type of person um mm-hmm. but to, to you to your to your last point that we have i i would i would argue you know, even this is kind of new in society with social media mm. kind of breeding a culture mm-hmm. of needing to be validated mm-hmm. all of the time, right? Like mm-hmm. somebody will say like, oh, the what? I had this really bad time at this restaurant. I can't believe this person did this to me, right? I'm right, right? 
right? I'm right. I'm right. <laughs> right. That's good. Yeah. Dude. I my mom did this thing to me. It's so bad, right? Right. Right. Everybody. Right. 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 Isn't, right. isn't that true? You know, and then and then when somebody comes along and says, "Go fuck yourself," and they're just a mm-hmm. troll, and then your days, and then somebody's days ruined, and this is not a powerful place to live from, you know. Yo, man, that's real because that's the whole we that's the whole dynamic we were just talking about, right? So that person is posting because they think they need validation from someone else to make their experience real, right? And then when it's not. Then they're going to get upset and maybe argue and try to get this person, this one person who has invalidated their experience, one out of what, 50. And then if not everyone agrees with that experience, then there's this feeling of unreality. Oh, this isn't real. Um, and then the other person invalidating them thinks that they, they're not agreeing with that experience, makes it not real to that person. And you see the pain uh, that people yeah. have in that moment. Yeah. And it's and it's real, but but it's it's odd. I was I was talking with a colleague today, and we were talking just about like core beliefs. And this is what you know therapists will do. We just sit around and, and shoot the shit about you know what what is this psychology thing that we do, and we have to talk about ourselves as well. And um, one thing we we talked about uh, today was just core beliefs that are being acted on unconsciously, which is very much like. A philosophy which is in a society which is being acted out without considering what that philosophy is and this philosophy that i'm not real unless other people validate my experiences um causes so much pain and uh i'm wondering if we just if you and i could you know like thanos snap our fingers right quick and make it so that everyone uh thanos from to marvel marvel movie nerd nerds here y'all cool nerds um Make it so that this philosophy shifted in one snap. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder how, you know, how much better off people who were feeling lonely would yeah. would really be. You know, especially because like we're alone, we're on social media, and then people mm-hmm. use social media to just, okay, this is how I'm feeling, and then everybody needs to mm-hmm. agree with me, mm-hmm. and then they don't, and you know, especially if you're dealing with any kind of already marginalization, whether that be mm. race, disability, chronic mm-hmm, illness, mm-hmm. whatever. Like you're already dealing with that anxiety. And then mm. you go to the place where you're like, okay, here I can belong. Mm-hmm. But that, I mean. Yeah, here I can belong, you know, but then it's even the echo chambers, right? Well, I'll just, oh, dude, this was, this was hilarious. So I'm on, <laughs> I haven't said this to anybody yet today. It was awesome. Uh, I'm on I'm on Twitter a lot, and I, I discourse a lot with uh, with the academic psychologists on there. Mm-hmm. And there is this uh, this uh, um, black woman who specializes in race based uh, stress and trauma. She's amazing um, on on Twitter. I'm gonna pull it up here so I can get her get her name on. Um, but she's just fantastic. And this uh, this older white man did this whole thread just to like invalidate her Mm. and it was obviously microaggressive everyone could see it but him Mm -hmm. um and then from that place then he just started to not only uh just ignore and invalidate her uh but then also just any white ally who was sort of calling him out you know um he would just say you're being rude and now you're blocked you know so it's just this 
you know, controlling my reality in whatever way makes me feel comfortable. So then when, you know, I'm actually trying to seek authentic connection, I'm going to make it the connection on my terms mm-hmm. and everyone's going to have to agree with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they don't, then I'll just block people. Um, and that's not a relationship, mm-hmm. you know, like that's just a, a mirror mm-hmm. and that, and that's really it. And I don't think we, and it's again, based on that, that core philosophy that if not everyone validates me, then my experiences aren't real. Um, they're not real. And if this man who is, um, you know, attacking Dr. Juliet McClendon, got her name there, um, then, then, you know, then I'm, I'm bad mm-hmm. somehow. I'm bad or I'm wrong or what's this uncomfortable feeling? I don't want to feel this feeling, so I'm just going to block this person and that person. Um, but those aren't relationships. And if you know that your experience is real and her experience is real, now you can relate, uh, understanding that you're both separate bubbles, you know, with your own flavor on, on the inside of that bubble. And hey, you know, we can both be here aware that we are both humans who feel and have different flavors and uh you know that's the the beauty in getting to know people is just getting to know their their suchness or their essence which is uh really unfathom unfathomable there it is i i cannot pronounce words it's bad doctor um and that mystery we want just union with everything. Right. You know, that's what, what Freud talked about a lot was just we have this desire for complete and utter oneness and in union with everything and everybody, but you can all you can't get all the way in there because I'm in here and you're over there. Mm-hmm. And to deepen our connection with everyone out there, we have to first deepen our connection, I feel at least, with the person right here to touch that core essence. And begin to appreciate that in ourselves. And then we can appreciate that in others as well. Um, But just so difficult when it is coming from the perspective of, you know, dealing with mental illness or chronic illness and, you know, just being on disability and marginalization, those moments of aloneness, um, they can be much more sharp and they deserve a lot more compassion uh, and that's that's very hard, especially if you're not used to receiving compassion from others. You, know, you have no frame of reference yeah. you know, for what that what that even looks like, you know. Right, right, right. Um, but we said we said a couple of con- things that might sound contradictory, but I think there's actually just more. They're not because we said number one, you can find people mm-hmm. that are like minded, right, and that you don't mm-hmm. like. You're already kind of validated from, but then also at the same time, you can participate in places. Where if you're self-validating, you can feel not lonely around more people. Those aren't necessarily mutually exclusive, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's good to find out who you are so you can be around people that understand you. You know, Mm -hmm. like I go to a, you know, I go to synagogue. Um, I can relate with people in a certain way there that I can't necessarily when I go to see, you know, independent pro wrestling. That's another mm-hmm. group, right? I don't need everybody mm-hmm. to be all the things all the time. Interesting. You know, uh-huh. and I could I could honestly I could go to a gun show and make some friends. I don't need mm-hmm. them to 
uh, you know, mm-hmm. validate my experiences uh, about, uh, <laughs> you know, anti-Semitism <laughs> in, in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> I don't need that. But maybe there's some quirky thing there that's going on and I could just go be, I don't know. I probably won't go yeah. to a gun show. But I, you know, if I had a friend and they're like, yeah, let's go check out this goofy thing, I might, you know, and I could ha- still have a good time. But if I walk in there saying, oh, well, they need to agree with me on everything, on the most intimate uh, parts of my uh, life, I'm going to have a uh, terrible uh, time. Terrible. Dude, exactly. <laughs> exactly, man. This is, this is interesting. This is interesting when, oh, man. So many, so many thoughts. It's, well, first, I guess, first, it's just not everyone can be everything for you. Right. I know not to call my dad up right. and uh, start bawling on the phone. I, I'm aware <laughs> that he may not know how to handle that. Um, but, you know, if we want to talk about uh, how much the Knicks, or Knicks suck <laughs> or the, the Giants suck, um, we're still upset with Eli Apple famed. <laughs> Famed corner corner who just ru- ruined everything, um, <laughs> then that's something that that we you know we relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimate relating with everything, that ability to validate everything, is really self validation. Mm-hmm. But that self validation can happen at the same time as we're relating to others, and you know, like you're saying, you know, uh, leaning into those niches. You know, friends have uh, certain conversations and they sort of bond over common interests and once you sort of you know see where you fit with that person and see where you don't then you can just you know enjoy the things that that do fit um but that that all or nothing thinking i think it is you know you have to agree with everything mm-hmm. or you you hate me right you know, either right love all of me or you hate all of me and um, then something's wrong yeah. with me because i didn't or i there showed you, you something that was wrong like that's there a very like child abuse reaction. Right? Oh, like, dude, totally. Like if you're neglected, mm-hmm. neglected, abused, and you're like, here is you know, as a little kid, you go up to your parent. I mm-hmm. have this need. I'm hungry, and what do mm-hmm. they do? They hit you. If you've had that experience, mm-hmm. or, or maybe they give you the silent treatment, or maybe they just mm-hmm. yell at you really Ooh, mean. I don't and like the just, silent treatment. And you're just mm-hmm. a little kid. You learn yeah, from a very young age. That mm-hmm. I can't show everybody all of my needs, and then mm-hmm. if, if if I do get a reaction like that, mm-hmm. something's wrong with me. So therefore, something's wrong with that. You know that reaction. I shouldn't feel that way. I shouldn't have this experience. Yeah, bury it deep. And that is a huge accelerator to loneliness, right? Like if you can't, yeah, if you can't, cutting it off from yourself. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but it's complicated, and we only have you know. You could this could easily be a twelve part series. You know, this Dude, could be a totally. seminar. This could be a seminar, a weekend seminar. Yeah, there's just <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. Um, but I do want to open it up a little bit, if it's appropriate to do that at this time, to some of our Twitter. Yeah. We got a bunch of yeah. Twitter questions. A lot. It should be a seminar. I was thinking, what do we got? You know. What are we gonna do next week? You should maybe keep keep the party going. Do loneliness part two? Yeah, we could do loneliness yeah. part two. We could do like action things. Maybe we could. I wonder if we could bring Jillian yes. in. Yes, dude. We could bring Jillian yeah, in. Man. And that'd do, be fun. Yeah, let's see if uh, technically if I can figure out how to do that. Um, because this is like all about kind of just confronting loneliness mm-hmm. and the experience of loneliness and just mm. being, you know how just philosophically how you can begin to contextualize mm-hmm. loneliness mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah maybe we should do an action an action episode yeah I uh, like that. 
But here, I'll just shoot some of these off. We don't have to go too deep. And I know Word. you're the doctor, but you know, I'll as a, as a master uh, uh, mental patient here, I'll yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll add my two cents as well. So please uh, do. Uh, <laughs> that's where that's where a lot of my expertise <laughs> comes from in these conversations. You know, the master uh, <laughs> mental patient. Um, let's see. Um, is loving yourself? This is from Silent Bob's mm. photogenic brother. Is loving yourself mm. the same thing as accepting who you are and mm. what your limitations are? Interesting. That's a, f- that's a great question. I think very philosophical. This is a very broader question. This is a good one. Oh, dude, yeah. perfect. <laughs> you you handpicked that one. Um, so yeah. Well, first of all, this advice this is not medical advice. However, there's so zero medical speaking. advice. Let's just back up. Yeah. If you th- if you heard something on this podcast and you're like, oh, I think that's medical advice. No, no, no. I, I, <laughs> if, you, if you look at the website, there's like a two paragraph disclaimer. If you look at anything we do, nothing is medical advice. Nothing is medical care. You don't want to delay in getting care. You don't mm-hmm. want to like not try a certain thing. I had my experience. Meds messed me up. Every, that doesn't mean that's going to be your experience. Doctor Broderick mm-hmm. is has his experience too. And mm-hmm. no doctor who doesn't know you and sit with you yeah, can exactly, tell dude. you what to do. <laughs> and even yeah, yeah. then, you know, you gotta. Mm-hmm. It takes time to build these relationships. And definitely, uh, patients. I, you know, when we started this project, the mental, at, at mental, you know, mental mental health media, it was all about different uh, patients that have these different kind of stories. And they mm. got better, but none of them. You can say this is definitely going to work for me. This guy took amino mm-hmm. acids, so that's I'm going to do this one. This woman does meditation, so that's going to work. This person did. You know, I've had we had somebody. Uh, I recorded a podcast uh, on somebody who does surf therapy. You know, that's not going to obviously not going to work for everybody. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, that out of the way, that disclosure, the not so subtle disclosure. Um, there it is. There it wasn't is. subtle at all, man. I feel like you were very authentic. You owned that experience. You were so you. It was a good man. I was very, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. So the real me is always just a little bit annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a little bit agitated. You're from New York, man. Yeah. What, do you, what do you what do you expect? You know, that yeah. chippiness, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, oh, you need that because like there's like too many people on the block, and yeah. you know, all things come. You know, boundaries come. You know, connection comes. Everything comes. Mm. So back to the question. Silent What's Bob. The question again? Silent, Bob. Silent Bob's yes. photogenic brother says, is loving yourself the same as accepting who you are and mm-hmm. what your limitations are? Yes. So loving, loving myself and accepting myself. I think that it's better in terms of self-love I think it's it's better to actually frame it as self-acceptance. So seeing yourself as you are uh, and seeing that and saying, yes, this is what I am, this is what it is, and not resisting that, uh, that actually creates a sense of relaxation. I don't need to change anything because this is what it is in this moment. This moment, I can see that this is this. Um, when we start to think about, oh, but I could be this, I could be that, da, da 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 we're not accepting ourselves. You know, we're not seeing ourselves clearly. So self-acceptance uh, is the is the first philosophical sort of concept that we can learn to embody. That and then we start to feel affectionate or loving feelings towards what we're looking at. See what I'm saying? So 
when we um, when we go out into the the forest, we're out in the forest. We're we're not looking at the trees and rejecting them, mm-hmm. and oh well, this one's too this or this one's too that or whatever. Um, but the second we get around people, we start to do that. When we get around ourselves, we do that. But every tree in that forest is a certain way uh, because of it, of you know just the weather patterns. The you know did a you know a lumberjack come through there? Or there's scratches on the tree from some animals. There's moss on it. It all makes sense yeah. the way that the trees are, and self acceptance is the same way. You are the way you are because of forces outside of your control. If you didn't choose who you were born to. You didn't choose uh, what context you grew up in. You didn't choose that. So the personality is then self-reinforcing. So if I have, I'll use myself. So if my parents are a certain way, uh, my, my parents um, are very Northeast. I, I joke and I say they're a combination of Jerry Seinfeld's parents and George Costanza's parents. Um, there's this overconcern, and then there's yelling and anger. <laughs> Um, that's not always true. I'm, I'm exaggerating. However, my emotional range um, for a very long time was either anger, anger, anxiety, uh, or, or, or laughter. That's it. You know, no range. Mm. So I didn't choose that, that experience. They modeled for me all they knew, sure. all they knew. And, and then I, that was reinforced. Me mirroring them was reinforced because if I started to, you know, cry or something, they'd be like, oh, crap, that's reminding me of my sadness. So I'm going to have to subtly make that not okay. And they're not, you know, consciously doing it because they weren't, they didn't choose their experiences. So every experience I have is reinforced um, by my uh, early experiences. And then guess what? I'm then uh, exposed to those same caregivers throughout my life. And then what do I do? I seek out similar relationships that mirror that same dynamic. So now my personality is a cluster of, uh, of behaviors that I didn't choose. Now it's snowballing. So once I acknowledge that reality, I can see that a Broderick is happening. I'm not doing anything. A Broderick is happening. And once I can see that process... Uh, and not it because it it completely ruins the logic of self blame. It, it it ruins it, mm-hmm. and we can see that. And once we accept that logic and see that it's just this radical blamelessness. And um, I think I mentioned the quote of my 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 buddy Liz Cheney said, "Our parents are victims of victims." Mm-hmm. Um, we can then see that oh, we're just pretty much victims of who we're we're born to, and that's it. But if we choose instead to not view ourselves as victims, but, but view our, ourselves as trees who were exposed to particular types of weather, but we're still here mm-hmm. and we're still rooted, then we can start to appreciate the branches and some of the flowers that bloom from time to time. We can even appreciate the snow, you know, that, that our, our branches are holding up in, in difficult times. You know, we can start to just appreciate what is rather than uh, try to consider what what isn't. And again, that chocolate ice cream example from before, if I'm sitting here thinking about, oh, this tea is fantastic, but I don't have ice cream and I don't have a partner and I don't have, you know, I don't have, you know, as much as much this or as much of that or, you know, I'm, I'm balding or whatever the hell. If we just look at what we lack, we can't see what is. And when we look out into the world, we see reflections of, 
uh, what we what we don't have. But I think it, it first start it first starts with just self acceptance by looking at what is. If you look at what is, you have to accept it because that's what it is in the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't reject reality. <laughs> you know, and that um, I think is the core of mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes it can be painful. You know what we look at, and I would encourage people just to um, really look at it with a therapist, look at it with a support system, um, and and don't feel like you have to look at it all at once. So then, self affection, self love, then comes as a product of uh, self observation and uh, accepting what is. Then we can start to appreciate you know, the full range of our experiences, even those, you know, for, for myself, you know, sometimes leaning into narcissism when I get insecure and now I can sort of notice that. And now I kind of laugh at it, mm-hmm. you know, so I'll be feeling good. I, you know, I yeah. walk into the bathroom, I see myself in the mirror, I start checking myself out. And then I'm like, this fucking guy, you think, you think you're just so cool, huh? Look at you, you, you vulnerable little guy, you having fun, you having a good time? You know, then that affection comes as a product of understanding that I can't help it. And I just am. Mm. And that's okay. And sometimes that's good. And sometimes it's bad. But guess what? I I just am. Mm -hmm. Can't do anything about it. Yeah. I have to plug my favorite philosophy in that. Because that metaphor is an ancient Zen Buddhist Mm. metaphor um, that Mm. we first saw in the bonsai tree. Mm-hmm. Um, that represents the idea of wabi-sabi, which is like this beautiful decay and beautiful of like not just decay, but also mm-hmm. the withering and the, mm-hmm. finding the beauty in um, the natural process of what is, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to the bonsai tree, it's like the bonsai tree is the way the bonsai tree is. It gets weathered, you manipulate it, it gets, and it is mm-hmm. this thing and it is... You know, it is. Um, hmm. It just is. Is the it key, is there? It is, is the key. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, <laughs> is the key uh-huh. Zen thing in, and uh, and yeah, I know. I think Alan Watts actually talks. A, I think he's got. I don't know what the quote is, but he's got that famous quote where it's like, "We don't think about people like trees that have been weathered and they, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they grow in a certain way based on their surroundings. You don't blame mm-hmm. the tree." Mm-hmm. right the tree exactly, is dude. and that is that is where but I, I love so that's that's also like what ba- basho was the guy that like is the the poet that started you know popularized mm-hmm. wabi-sabi so I don't, it's just my nerd my f- philosophy nerdiness coming out and nobody talks about it I just if you're philosophy nerd look mm-hmm. up wabi-sabi look up bonsai it's, uh, one mm-hmm. day i will have a a nice uh yard of bonsai trees Uh, Yeah, (laughs) wabi-sabi. Okay, I'll I'll take this next one. I don't have anything else to add. That was a a beautiful, beautiful response, and I hope hope that can spark something in Silent Bob's photogenic brother. Um, (laughs) Let's see. Um, So I'll just get this out of the way. Um, Strategies for combating loneliness would be useful. You know, we'll talk about this more, but go check out Jillian Richardson's Unlonely Planet. Um, always thinking posted that one. Um, let's see. Then we've got, I'll take this one and then you see if you have anything to add. What anti agri Braddock, uh, says what kinds of entertainment, music, movies, reality, TV, graphic novels, video games, if any, have you found mm. that would be either beneficial or detrimental to loneliness? 
you know, um, so mm. I, I I talked, you know, I grew up in in that punk DIY autonomous culture for teenagers, and that shaped really so much of what I do in business, what I do creatively, how I you know like mm. to have relationships, and how how I like to organize, and all of those things. I think being able to participate in entertainment that you have a part in creating, not just consuming, is mm. tr a transformative personal process. I think if you can make stuff, whatever that is, like if it's, I don't know, community theater, that's an idea. I think that's amazing for loneliness. If you draw comics mm. and you work on a comic with somebody and then you distribute that comic to a community that and you mm. get feedback and you share their work, that there is something so special about that shared participation in 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 creating creative community that is so mm. empowering and sharing and just there's an electricity to it so if you have to do you know i don't think consume i think consuming media in general um unless you have an avenue you know it's mm. fine to calm down and to chill out but it really if you're a lonely person it can be really just used to numb just like any other mm. kind of drug um so that would be my if anything spark if any mm. light gets hit and it doesn't have to be you don't have to be great at anything you could could be anything. Mm. But yeah. Uh, yeah, you have any thoughts on that on on music, movies, reality? Ooh, yeah, dude. Yeah, like I mean, we talked uh, earlier off air. Mm -hmm. Music really saved me in grad school. Right, I felt so lonely, and I was you know one of the only black people in the, in the program. Yeah, um, and listening to Nas and just like. Yes, this is a black guy. Mm -hmm. I'm a black guy. He gets me, you know, that um, connected me to who I am. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think similarly, different um, different TV shows. I love sitcoms. Yes, with the laugh tracks and everything, everybody. Okay. So um, don't be jealous. Uh, and the reason being is that I have such a playful, whimsical attitude mm -hmm. toward reality. It's just so me. Mm -hmm. And shows like uh, like How I Met Your Mother or Seinfeld or Martin or Fresh Prince or um, I've been into Brooklyn Nine-Nine lately. Maybe that's just some me trying to rationalize uh, you know, a positive experience with, with cops. I'm not sure. But either way. You, you learn to appreciate, you know, some of the flaws in these characters and frustration. But then there's just this, ah, mm -hmm. they're just so this way. And then I found for myself that as I would relate to my everyday life, I started to just enjoy uh, everyday situations from this sort of sitcom-y what's the gang up to kind of thing whether i'm at work or whatever i'm like what's gonna happen next and um that's just my attitude towards life even without the sitcom so i mm -hmm. i found just things in media i think just like you're saying i you found you know creative avenues because that's who you are so for mm -hmm. me i found avenues of play yeah um that would reinforce you know things things that i appreciated um, or parts of myself that I that I, um, you know, that I want to engage with, but there wasn't an opportunity in that moment. Um, 
so yeah, that that that's what I would say. But like you're saying, it's it's very easy to go into numbing mode. Um, but I think for me, it's uh, you know how do we just get by? You know, sometimes. Well, that's also a different. It's a different tone, right? Because if you're finding like a resonance mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain. But if you have like that tone, or when you're lonely, and it's like mm-hmm. that looks like when you're dealing with like that kind of homesickness. Where it's like homesickness from yourself, homesickness from your community, and then you play a song that reminds you of that community mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. a show. I mean, this is this is my experience with Curb. When Curb came on when I was living in New York, I it was found it intolerable because mm-hmm. like I'm already mm-hmm. dealing with my family, and there like can be a lot. As mm-hmm. I have yeah. family that could be on that show, like yeah. like like if they just came, oh yeah, here's Larry's cousins comes to, and my family uh-huh. like came to dinner you'd be like oh yeah that's totally absolutely appropriate casting um maybe they're even a little bit more wound up than larry is when i was around it i couldn't deal with it at all but when i moved to seattle and i put it on i was like uh oh that's what oh and i can actually be that way and it's not bad Mm -hmm. because like i'm getting Mm -hmm. so much subconscious reinforcement that to like be loud and to be you know Mm -hmm. excited about something that's not you know yeah. that that show is comedy, but it's also commentary on yeah. a very real situation, which yeah, which is how you know people express mm-hmm. themselves in different parts Dude. of the world. Yeah, and in the Pacific Northwest, no one does that. So it's like, oh, thank yeah. goodness. Oh, you know what? Maybe I can bring a little bit of that with me to my next social interaction. Maybe it is okay. It's kind of yeah, a different it's purpose. fun, different purpose, different yeah. purpose. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's uh, this is interesting. It's making me think about the the love of the famed Michael Scott, otherwise known as Steve Carell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like people people saw themselves in him in many ways because he wore so many hats. He was this lonely guy, but he wanted to have a good time. He loved his friends, but he loved them so much so and wanted to keep them around all the time. He always wanted to joke around. And I think there was a a deep part of everyone Mm -hmm. that just saw themselves in that. And uh, Sigmund Freud, which I love about Freud, is that his commentary on society and how all entertainment is just one massive projection of the human experience because these humans are trying to entertain us, but they are also humans like us. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these ideas and feelings get reflected in these, these shows and we're able to connect to characters, but the characters are, uh, you know, built out of human experience ultimately and to be able to connect to that, you know, on that, on that level. And we can find shows and characters that uh, reflect who we are. Um, and I, man, shit, I'm thinking of Black Panther and yeah. how, how oh, that yeah. movie for me as a black man, you know, to see that, Hey, you know, we, you can do this and to feel like good about black men. And it, it was so powerful. And there's just, I think there's, um, it's not just entertainment for entertainment's sake, but mm-hmm. it also can be uplifting, uh, on just the most mundane levels, depending on how, you know, you're looking at it. And yeah, that is that is so real. When I saw Black Panther in the theater, I got goosebumps just because I I, I could mm. tell that's that's what it, mm. it was. Such a bold mm-hmm. statement, mm-hmm. Um, and it's a real thing. I I remember I I found I I found this out firsthand. It was and it was before the conversation around 
representation was really an issue. I mean, it used to be so bad. If people, young people are listening to this and you've just joined, the, when I was in college, I'm so grateful to have gone to a school that actually thought about representation. But mm. it was it was like mm. 95% of the heroes on television for mm. for the, for all of television up until that point were white and mm. mostly men. <laughs> and like mm-hmm. and then and then you look at like who the bad guys were, like it was uh arab folks and black folks like brown people <laughs> like, yeah yeah like, black blackie the stealer so or I, I see i see <laughs> yeah, dude. and i'm old enough uh-huh. to have that context and i see people like oh why yeah. do we need to do this i'm like i think a lot of people are That's just too fine. young they're yeah. like when and luke cage was only like five years ago and when i saw mm-hmm. that that was another one of those people like wow uh mm-hmm. it was a big deal but when the, when i figured it out i was like I was doing these. Uh, I was doing a documentary behind the scenes of a chorus line on Broadway, mm. mm-hmm. and it was a pretty diverse cast. And any person who was of any marginalized identity, just interviewing mm. them about how did they get to Broadway, they all had that mm. moment where they're like, "I saw someone who looked like me doing this thing," and it boom, it, it was a, a like a like a zap, yeah. and then their life yeah. was changed. It's, can't be what you can't see. It's so important. And then that uh-huh. is just so much about, well, I don't know. Maybe it's a stretch to say that's like combats loneliness, but maybe not. Maybe well, not. Well, dude, I mean, I, there have been many, many nights. I think when I, so I was engaged, dude. I was engaged. Why am I, I'm telling you for the first time on air, whatever. So I was engaged for you know, like a six-year relationship. And this was like in college. And then- um then in what was it 2012 things like six years we had like broken it off and just ended up not growing together mm. just college relationship you know um and then that's when i started to enjoy my aloneness mm. and i i remember the, the moment when it happened i was like oh you know no one's here blah blah, blah and i was drinking a bottled water or something at the time and then i said well i should get up and throw this in the trash and then I said, wait a second, who the fuck cares? And dude, I chucked it across the room. <laughs> and I think that was like the first night I started to watch uh, How I Met Your Mother. Uh-huh. And I saw one of the main characters. It's it's like it's like a white bread kind of show. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's basically souped up friends, you know, but that's not the point. Um, I said that this guy, Ted Mosby, you could just see yourself in him because he's like, when am I going to meet the one, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But then you have these other characters who were reflecting different experiences. You know, uh, Neil Patrick Harris's character was just reflecting like this live it up, hedonism, live in the moment, you know. Um, and you just see these different reflections. And I think of, of the human experience and they're all really just one person. You know, and um, and I think you think Black Panther. You look at Killmonger versus uh, King T'Challa. They're they're both one person in a sense. And I think one of the last scenes where they're fighting each other in the same suit is so symbolic in that way. Um, so we can see our experiences validated and reflected through entertainment and media. Uh, and I think it's it's a it's a beautiful thing. I think especially nowadays. Um, we have more social justice oriented kind of uh, movies. And when I think social justice, I don't I'm not just talking about, you know, uh, systemic oppression of certain groups. I'm also talking about the social justice of mental illness being reflected and talked about mm-hmm. um, in, in just at every single layer 
Um, even the, uh, what was it? The, um, you know, I'm, in, I'm into um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine for some psychological need to feel comfortable with uh, police or something. So what? I, I'm not sure. But either way, I'm dipping into these later seasons and they're covering some good shit. Mm-hmm. Like they're covering like some woke shit. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, one of the characters is coming out as bi and her mother won't talk to her and they're just... How do we just be with that? They're talking about adoption and just the social justice of alter quote unquote alternative lifestyles mm-hmm. that so many people live, but larger society refuses to acknowledge as real. Mm-hmm. But all of these people who are living these things greatly outweigh the people who uh, think that we need to draw inside of the lines. Right. And media is a is a is a form of activism, you know, in that way. Just hey, these are experiences that people have, even if it's you know packed within, you know, some silly show that's just intended to make you laugh. Um, yeah, and you can go as far as far or as short as you would like to go with those things. As I'm talking about, you know, sitcoms and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's plenty you can you can tap into documentary wise you know movie wise series wise uh that that um covers a lot and and speaks volumes and that's a way to combat uh loneliness i think is seeing your experiences reflected um by people who made this this movie or this show uh and they're they have people like you in mind yeah and there's and there's some beauty in that. There is. I know? I totally agree. I mean, that doesn't mean that everything has to be that, right? Like, there's this mm-hmm. the Al-Anon mm-hmm. expression. When I so I I grew up some addiction in my household. When I went to Al-Anon for the first time and I heard this phrase, you could have scraped me off the floor. And mm-hmm. that is, you don't buy oranges at the hardware store, right? So, mm-hmm. which means mm-hmm. like you can go so if you go somewhere for validation and you put on. I don't know what bad show. I don't know what's a bad. You put on. I don't. I don't even want to say a bad show because I, the first one that popped in my mind. I don't even want to say. It. If you no, put no, on no. some terrible, yeah. you know, reality, yeah. tell, whatever, just mm-hmm. that doesn't have to put you in a bad mood. So, mm-hmm. but you can find the things that are good that like nurture mm-hmm. you. So you can have they this nurture. nurturing relationship yeah. with media. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you, know, you can and you can even create it you yeah. know and not everybody can do this but for yeah. me i remember like I, when i was really mm-hmm. sick i was watching so much wrestling and it was just and, and for mm-hmm. me it was just like numbing and and watching mm-hmm. hockey it was just numbing and just something to be in the background and i could hear a familiar voice but then once i started getting better and i was able to actually participate in the world well then i started mm-hmm. you know i volunteered at the local wrestling place and i was able to like mm-hmm. make some friends with some people and then i had some wrestlers on my podcast and I know mm. that's not going to be a home run for everybody, but just to have a foot in the door in some kind of real connection. You liked it. Yeah, and you see people, other fans that like, yeah. you know, maybe they don't have a podcast, maybe they're not, you know, mm. but they ha- like they're present and they're there and they have some kind of relationship that's like really empowering. And, mm. um, you know, and people do have that. I, I, You know, there's so much weird stuff that happens in fandoms and that's probably another episode. Um, mm-hmm. but there is, you can create community, um, especially for people that, you know, where the media feels good, you can participate. It kind of goes back to that, that, yeah. that interactive piece that I was talking about. Dude, totally. And even, I think we're, you know, we're talking to Twitter folks, you know, on Twitter, 
you know, you, you know, use that mute function. You know what I mean? Like if you, you know, if you are stressed out by particular posts, you can always mute those, those things what? and you can, uh, control your consumption. But you just you said um, you, we and, said at the beginning of this and, podcast, Broderick, mm-hmm. that you said if you block mm-hmm. everybody mm-hmm. that doesn't agree with you, mm-hmm. then it's just a mirror. So, mm-hmm. am I supposed to block? I block. I block like th- like thousands of people. Am I am I block or not block? Mm-hmm. Um, well, it depends. Like anything, you know, which is the most annoying answer <laughs> that I swore I wouldn't give people um, when I was uh, in my grad school training, because <laughs> that would be the answer for really everything. But if I am becoming stressed out by someone who keeps posting continuously these videos of, of George Floyd um, and I'm aware enough, and okay, I, I get it, and I'm doing as much as I can, I'm, I'm processing it, and I'm continuing to be exposed to that, then, um, then if I'm feeling lonely with those feelings, you know, mm. that, that can feel difficult. Or if I'm on Facebook and... You know, if I don't have a partner and this person keeps posting only pictures of their, you know, the, their their uh, couple's adventures, <laughs> you know, I, I can I can mute that. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I hate this person. It just means that, um, you know, my my media content, the way I'm consuming certain things, um, I want to have relative control over that. Doesn't mean that we can't be self-reflective sure. about certain things. Um but yeah, yeah, I guess it really just depends. I, I think it's like for me not to feel lonely on social media. I mean, there's a lot of people on social media that just want to fight. Mm. And if somebody has a difference of <laughs> opinion, like I don't care. But then like it'll be I, I don't really care what you want to fight over. I don't go on Twitter to have long debates of things that I've already covered either on the podcast or in other writing I've done. Like I just I'm not into it. So like if you hmm. if like I, if I post science like a science article, okay, look, it looks like curcumin is good for depression. I will always have this is a reductionist, uh, you know, this is mental yeah. health isn't about this, blah blah blah. I, I've like how much like how many times do I have to debate that? Like if you keep posting that, yeah, I may block you. If uh, if somebody just wants to fight over just silly things, like I don't go on. So yeah. I don't. I don't. F- I feel more lonely when like somebody wants to fight with me, and I'm just like. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't want to mm. do that. So, I block a yeah, lot man. of people that want. So you play. don't. Yeah. There you go. You know, you do your work. You know, you're you're self reflective, uh, and and I also feel like when you come across those people who aren't self reflective, um, you don't need to you need to force them into that. People are are like a you know along on their own particular process. Yeah. Um. There was a time where I sort of uh updated um well i was i was following a lot of more spiritual accounts um because i wanted to really immerse myself within my spirituality so my timeline looked more spiritual and i just countless like quotes from sages and gurus and different books and teachers uh really helped me help me along sort of uh reflected back to me the, the sides of myself that i appreciate and that i want to engage with um, so reinforcing my authenticity, just like how we engage with, like what I was talking about, different shows, especially Seinfeld. It's so much like this. Isn't this weird? Isn't this whole life thing kind of funny and interesting? You know, that's just so me. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
yeah, I think media and social media, we can uh, use it in a very, very similar way. Yeah, and it's okay to be challenged in like mm. you you can you can also like create mm-hmm. how you want to be challenged. Like that's not totally that's not bad. You don't mm-hmm. you, the way you, you if you don't want to be challenged by somebody yelling weird things at you, you don't have to get upset <laughs> about it, but you also don't have to like interact with it. Like, you know, it's it doesn't Facts. mean anything. Mm. Dr. Broderick, any last words for the people? Uh, last words for the people. We should do this one again. Oh, yeah. I like this one. You want to do this loneliness? next week or another one or okay. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is interesting because we got because I, I you know mid mid stride I was like oh crap the media is just reflecting human experience I wanted to like monologue the shit out of that uh-huh. um, but last words I, I would say uh, you know yourself better than others and if you don't think that's true then you don't know how well you know yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I, I would say explore. You know, uh, do things that that you enjoy just because you enjoy them when you're when you're, uh, you know, cooking that meal or ordering that takeout. Like it's something that you really like, you know, not just to to fill your belly, mm-hmm. you know, have, have some fun with it. Enjoy. Savor that shit. Savor the, you know, like I, <laughs> what did I tell you last week? I'm playing NBA 2K video game. Savor that, you know. I'm, I'm going to the playoffs. What's up? I'm excited. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna crack a beer. This is great. You know, it, it's just it's play. Yeah, it's play. Uh, and um, and in in that way, um, what we talk about as far as mental health, one uh, psychoanalyst put it: we need to uh, develop health and relate to three separate domains of life to be menti- mentally healthy. And the psychoanalyst named relationships work play Mm. so when we're alone we can relate to ourselves so relationships so relate to ourselves you know with a sense of uh self-appreciation and really savoring our our time with ourselves that means reading a a book or listening to a podcast that helps us think deeper about ourselves relating to ourselves that's a relationship how you relate to yourself um or, or you know calling different people just relating you know then there's a play, you know, which kind of speaks speaks to itself. Make yourself laugh. Laugh at yourself. Um, and then there, there's work as well. And I think work uh, and career passion and things like that, that is a very individual journey. Um, but you can uh, relate to uh, the ways in which you develop your, your work life or engage with your work life. You can choose how you want to do that. If that means... Uh, you know, if that means changing the way you interact with your with your boss or drawing boundaries, if that means uh, taking on another project at, at work, but just consider whatever you you decide to do with your work life or your play life or your relationship life, um, let it come from that basic wisdom of this is how I authentically feel. Mm-hmm. This is what I want here. And I want this uh, to feel good. Mm-hmm. Not I want this to, you know, avoid punishment or because I'm scared, but I want these things because uh, they genuinely make me feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just at home in myself. Yeah. And if they make you feel good, that's enough. 
No one has mm-hmm. to tell you, you know. No, don't believe in that capitalism, man. They want you, you know what I mean? It's self-punishment. Oh, I have to do more and more and more. We didn't talk about productivity oh, here. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I had I, I had a whole thing identity. I wanted to do about like going into like nature and extreme solitude being like not lonely. So, yeah, maybe we mm. this might be three parts, I don't know. So, yeah, dude. <laughs> we talk a lot. We talk a lot. It's a good problem to have sometimes. Good problem. We never we never seem to be out of uh ideas to chit chat about. This has never happened yeah. in I don't know how long no, we've dude. been Skyping now. Dude, that been... Google Doc is like three pages <laughs> of like potential it's... topics. Oh, and man. what is the I think the shortest conversation that we've ever had has been an hour and a half. And yeah. the longest one has been four hours. <laughs> Bro, it was four hours. But I think the four hour was that like the first time, dude? That was wild, man. Yeah. <laughs> so stay tuned. Yeah. Uh, make sure you subscribe to Mental Radio wherever you get podcasts. We're going to have a new brand coming up uh, soon. Yes, yes. But uh, you'll be able to follow all the things on Mental Radio for now. And uh, yeah, thanks Twitter for the questions. Um, follow yes. us. We'll, we'll pose uh, a new question um, before next week. So follow me, Jesse Zookman, at Zookman, Z-O-O-K-M-A-N-N. Follow Dr. Broderick Sawyer at Broderick, B-R-O-D-E-R-I-C-K-A-88. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll love to have your input next time for next week as well. And uh, is that any final finals? Final finals, not a long Oof. final. A mini. A, See, that's very. That's very. A mini that's long. Very a mini. A mini. A mini final. Final. Is <laughs> it a mini long? If you've if you've made it to this long now, an hour and a half, please appreciate yeah. yourself because you are a person you're who's a person. interested in those questions. Well, yeah, I won't because you're a person who listens to podcasts. You deserve it. But really, if you put up with us for an hour and a half, uh, uh-huh. you really do that's deserve endurance. Um, so yes, appreciate uh, appreciate everybody on Twitter with questions. Appreciate all of our listeners. Um, please uh, support the work by sharing it and just giving this conversation to whoever uh, you think uh, might be helped by it. And we appreciate you as always, Doctor Broderick. Thank you for your wisdom yes. and thank you for your time. Yes, sir. Um, Thanks for having me, my man. I'll sign off. We'll try to do uh, try to do these um, outros kind of in the podcast since we're here. Um, so I'll sign off from here. We'll have some final show notes, but, uh, until next time, take care of yourself, uh, look out for each other and, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Zygazant. Take it easy. Peace. Thanks for listening to the podcast again. If you like what you hear, please consider sharing our content. It's the only way that we can get more people to know about the work we're doing, which we are very proud of. So it means a lot to us when you share. Please tag us, Jesse Zookman, at Zookman. Tag Dr. Broderick, Broderick A88, Dr. Broderick Sawyer um, in the posts. Um, we really appreciate it. That's like That just allows us to talk to more people. And the only reason we do this is really to keep people supported and keep people connected. So when you share, that allows us to do that, and it really means a lot. If you want to know more about the project or if you'd like to get involved further, buy some merch, um, check out all of our different social media channels, check us out over at mentalhealthmedia.org. 
And our credits, as always, were executive produced by AV Flocks with a special thanks to Tom Trottier, Tamara Broadhead, and Patrick Mohan. Thanks to all of our GoFundMe supporters. If you'd like to join this list, check us out over at mentalhealthmedia.org where you can find a link to our GoFundMe. Uh, special thanks to all of our GoFundMe supporters. Um, Meki M, Carolina P, Ryan P, Chip and Nads, Metal D, Tall Paul M, Joel R, Ben G, Vinny R, Patty M, Sean H, Linda E, Franklin G, Johnny P, Sophia M, Jackie M, Bob S, Rose P, Jeannie A, Handy H, uh, Tim W, Stephanie P, Patrick L, Stephen J, Judy B, David L, Stuart M, Jim E, Cash G, Sean D, The Smo, Alex B, Marilyn S, Colin F, Lauren B, Patricia M, Phil A, and Ivan M. Our uh, theme song is Total Meltdown by Total Meltdown. You can check them out, my friends. Please give them them a click. If you like sick, fast, brutal, hardcore, if you got to get that stress out, if you feel like you're having a total meltdown, check out Total Meltdown. And you can do that over at Total Meltdown NYHC.bandcamp.com. That's Total Meltdown NYHC.bandcamp.com. And with that, everybody, thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. Um, have a great week. Look out for each other. Take care of yourselves. Zeigesund.